I'm Elizabeth Ames, and this is the Women in Product podcast. As we approach our annual conference on May 9th and 10th, we thought it would be helpful to share some tips on networking. Networking can feel uncomfortable for some, but it is a valuable tool in developing and advancing your career. On this episode, Ariana Black, Senior Events Manager here at Women in Product, speaks to Jory Bell, Director of Product Management at Audible. The two discuss how networking has changed throughout their careers, and they reveal their personal techniques and approaches to networking in online environments to foster fulfilling professional relationships. I want to make sure that I get your superhero origin story. So tell tell me how you got into product management. Uh, I love asking this because it's always a different story. It's always different. And people really come from all walks of life, which is really fun. Um, mine is super accidental. I've written about this and I've talked about it. I didn't know product management. My goal coming out of undergrad as a journalism major was move to New York City at all costs. So like I knew... I'm from Chicago, needed to move to New York, and I focused my search on journalism. Um, I was thinking maybe an ad agency, something of the like, and I got connected with a recruiter at the Huffington Post, which had just recently merged with AOL. And she basically said, there's a job that pays you a little bit more. And at this point, you know, entry level didn't make a difference, but I'm trying to survive in New York. I was an associate producer and I landed in this role reporting into a product manager. So it was like very happenstance, very lucky. And because of that, I got this daily view into what is a product manager? What is an engineering team? None of that had ever been on my radar. Um, And I was essentially apprenticing in product management for the first two years of my career. And one day my manager was like, you could do this. Like, this is a career. Like, are you interested? And I was like, looks pretty good. You know, I'm getting to do some design stuff. I'm getting to work with sales, engineering. And it was at a really interesting time when product management really started to open up. So it wasn't just computer science degrees that were allowed to be product managers at Google. It was people from all walks of life kind of coming into the field. It was like when General Assembly was like one of the only places in the city where you could take a product management course, which was so different than it is today. So I, I always talk about landing in the right place at the right time, like right before product really became bigger and a lot more accessible. And the reality is the nature of the job, the ability to, you know, communicate my message to an engineer, to a salesperson, to a marketing person, um, and kind of creatively launch things really like fit with my personality. So I landed in something that worked out really well, but it was not by choice. And um, I'm happy I did. (laughs) I love hearing the landed by accident stories because I talk to a lot of women from our community, a lot of speakers, and I always hear, well, I don't know if my experience really relates because I came to product sideways. And I always just laugh because that is always what I hear. And so it yeah. always relates. Yeah. And I got to ask one more. How did you stumble into women in product? How did you find us? Uh, you know, it was probably one of the first groups that really formed, like I said, early on, I guess, 2011, you can do that math. Like I was, it was just general assembly and programs like that, that were like, go learn what product management is. And so women in product was one of the first to kind of come about at least and come on my radar. And I didn't, I reported into a a male PM. I didn't really know many people. And so at the first chance I got, you know, sorry, happy hours, there a talk, I started going and 
I think, you know, I mentioned this to you, like I, one of my favorite things to do pre pandemic was just grab a bunch of female product managers and we'd go to a panel or we'd go to a happy hour and we'd like go to a different office and like meet new people. And so it really was like, I'm just trying to meet people. I moved to New York city. Um, and also let me figure out what product management is. So it ended up being like a really great resource for me in a lot of ways over the years, which you'll probably see throughout this conversation. So we're going to specifically talk about networking and I'm wondering, so early career, Jory, what did the Mm -hmm. word networking feel like to her and what did that mean? And what does it mean today? Yeah. I mean, so candidly, it didn't mean much early on in my career. Um, it was always about a reactive place coming from a reactive place when I was looking for a new job. So kind of what I was saying earlier, um, oh my God, I'm unhappy. I got to go find something else. Where do I go? Um, So I think early on networking was just something you had to do when you wanted to go find a new job. And for me, that really transformed when I got to SoundCloud. And SoundCloud was a really special place to me um, for a lot of reasons, but I became a chapter lead of our women's ERG our women in leadership group, it was a global company. So there were chapters in Berlin, which was where, um, you know, the main office was um, London, New York was another major hub. And it allowed me to start experimenting with community building within the company and outside the company. And I was like, wait, there's actually a lot of value here, not in just finding these relationships when I need them, when I'm in a crisis, but proactively just connecting with people women in product and leadership roles who can really just help foster my career development. Um, And so we did a lot of internal networking and support, a lot of career development training and programs. We wrote a newsletter. I'm a big writer. I've always done writing in my uh, professional career. So um, for me, it was like super exciting to take a proactive approach to networking and being like, okay, this is actually not something that I need to do. It's something I want to do. So, and I'm actually really taking that approach now, especially as we're in this remote world where I'm not going into an office every day, I work remote. How can I make an effort to really nourish and connect with people one-on-one to be proactive and build that network around me versus waiting till I absolutely need to. I love that you said nourish and connect one-on-one for my own, you know, baggage around the word networking. I I think shoulder pads Mm -hmm. and like awkward cocktail, you know, awkward cocktail hours. And, and when I was able to reframe networking as connecting to other people, finding out what they were doing, uh, sharing what I'm doing and essentially building relationships with cool thinkers and movers and doers, it transformed Mm -hmm. for me and also humanized it. I love that you were saying, you know, that it's an always on approach and then it doesn't come from this place of desperation or like wanting Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to lie, having conversations, doing the cold, nice to meet you. What do you do? It takes a lot of energy, but I think an always on approach and having goals around it and thinking about who can I meet who's going to really fill up my cup today and inspire some different ideas Um, and having a strategy around it um, can be really, really powerful because without it, you're just kind of in your silo, in your company, on your team. And it's so, so important to be able to build community outside of that for the crises and just to, to feel good and to connect with one another. 
Let's go deeper on career goals and how that might play out in networking. Um, you know, we know that a lot of people right now in our industry and in most of tech are really either reevaluating or being forced to reevaluate. Yeah. And uh, probably feeling kind of lost. And yeah. I, I personally love a plan. I love a plan. Uh, my filling out my planner makes me feel like there is some control to the chaos. So yes. I'd love to hear your experience with goal setting and planning around careers. Yeah. I mean, I am someone who deals with anxiety. And so I can't tell you how helpful, and I've shared this with a lot of people that I coach, it is to write down a plan, even if it's wrong. Like instead of thinking, what will I do? What will I do? Take it in incremental steps like you would as a product. What does the next three months look like? What does the next six months look like? How can you experiment and test different things? Um, what are some like measurable goals that you can set for yourself? And so for me, the best way that I've managed the uncertainty is put something down on paper, let it be a draft. Nothing's final. And um, that's been really pivotal for me. And it's been something that I had some colleagues at Spotify really instill in me. This is something that you revisit every quarter. We do our career development talks, but you drive your own development and you determine if you're meeting your goals and how this pivots. Because at the end of the day, you're going to go from manager to manager, company to company, but you own your own goals. And so I think really, really having that crystallized for me there was super, super important. And now it's something that I do do. And it's something I get really energized by is revisiting. Okay. What did I, what did I say I was going to do three months ago? Oh, I, I didn't do that. Or I did do that. Or I went in a totally different direction. Um, so that always on approach and really holding yourself accountable um, has been really, really powerful for me. And it makes those pivot moments, whether it's quitting or a layoff or a manager change, like so much easier. It's like that. It's kind of like a, proactive, like health approach, you know, instead of just treating the symptoms, it's like, how do you like stay healthy all the time? And, um, I use like a very simple framework and I've written about this now, next later, like what does now mean? Is that three months? Is that six months? Um, and then I really try and do goals around both my professional life and my personal life, because there's a balance and sometimes things need to be prioritized. And I think creating goals in a vacuum um, for your professional life without considering what's going on in your personal life can be really challenging. So the people that I do mentor and coach, I try and take that holistic approach and keep it really simple, you know, not necessarily writing OKRs for yourself, but if that's helpful, that's great. Um, and then I encourage people to just revisit that, whether it's every quarter, every six months, things like that. Well, and I, the word vacuum immediately made me think about how scary this can be to do alone. And, yes. you know, and I'm excited to see so many coaches now really taking this on from our community. And, you know, because everybody has like, we know the word mentor, the word sponsor, these are very much out there, but a coach is a very different thing. And it seems like a coach is particularly useful for this blend of the personal and the professional. I uh, have an accountability buddy that I personally revisit my goals with. She's a, a former colleague from years and years back, and we do a 90 day check-in to just see where we're tracking. And I'm wondering if you have other ways that people can enlist help in the process so that they're not doing this in a vacuum. Yeah, this is a nice plug for women in product. I was looking for a mentor coach um, earlier last year, and I ended up signing up for a peer coaching circle um, through women in product. And it just kind of ignited something in me that 
when I was struggling with what I was struggling with, being able to not only talk through it with a group of women who were in similar situations, but to give back at that time felt so good. And that was like, wait, why don't you help other women who are going through it or seeking out support if you can't get the support that you need? So that that experience in the coaching circle really kind of opened the door for me. And I kind of, I lifted the lid and it was like, there's all these mentorship and coaching platforms out there. And I've just been honestly amazed. And it's some of it's like ed tech. Some of it is just purely like mentoring, making it accessible, democratizing mentorship. Some of it is coaching, making it coaching accessible um, and discoverable through marketplaces. And I, as someone who fell into product, have felt really encouraged to kind of be a part of making it more accessible for other people too, because I feel, you know, I worked really hard, but I also got really lucky. And that feeling of giving back has been really powerful for me. So I always, I always recommend that. And I'm, I'm having so much fun exploring all those platforms right now. Well, and that segues super well into what I wanted to touch (laughs) on next. So thank you for that. Um, Yeah. But just looking at how we can scale and and how we can scale in an online world, um, our our impact. And mm-hmm. I I think a lot about the fact that my daily life, my work life looks very, very different than it did three years ago. Every mm-hmm. the world has changed so much. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you're thinking about starting in in terms of building a supportive community and network in the online space. It's a great question. Um I I find right now there's a lot of really great niche Slack communities out there. I know Women in Product has one, um, but I think like LinkedIn is a behemoth and it can be valuable when it's valuable, but Slack and perhaps some Discord channels too, I haven't really explored there, has a different communal feel to it where people are really, really um, connecting in different ways. And so that has been a place where I've really started to meet people and kind of scale like what I'm doing and what I'm looking for, because it's a way to reach out to people who are in a scalable way that's a bit more responsive. It's a bit more um, focused. Um, In terms of like scaling myself, I constantly get, you know, I get inbound about certain talks that I've done or certain things people want to know about. I have niche experience in streaming. And so I started blogging. I absolutely love to write. And that's been a really great way to scale myself and helps give people a connector to pull in and connect with me. Hey, I saw this talk that you did. I saw this post that you wrote. And it's a great um, way for me to kind of reach a bunch of people and then have people reach back out to me with that connective tissue. Um, So that's kind of how I've been scaling myself but I would say Slack. And then I've just also been taking the time to do one-on-ones and meet people in person because I miss in person so much. And it's really energizing to meet with people. You know, my experience on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn can be just such a wild place, but also, you know, as a person who's not dedicated enough yet with the time and resources to be able to start a blog, I love to be able to post on LinkedIn and then actually like have conversations around that and make connections from that. And I, I think that sometimes we forget that we could be humans online in these spaces and really open ourselves up. And, and I'd love to hear about any relationships that have really developed for you out of the blog or, or out of taking that random yes uh, to the coffee date ask. Yeah, that's, 
So both of these are women in product related and I'm, and it, they're just happenstance, which is kind of funny. I swear um, I'm not doing this on purpose. <laughs> um, years ago, um, I interviewed at a big media company and I really, really liked the hiring manager. I just like jived with her right away. They ended up closing down the role, but years later, I ended up going to a women in product panel that she was speaking on. And I went up to her after and I, I felt super like unsure. And I was like, there's no way she's going to remember me. I interviewed for this product role and I ended up getting coffee with her and we just like clicked right away again. And she's been someone that over the years we've stayed in touch. Hey, I'm hiring. Do you know anyone want to grab coffee? And so just putting myself out there um, because you never really know what you're going to get back. And also that really like going with your gut when you feel like a connection with someone and you feel good about that, really running with it. Um, so that was a really great story. And that was through a women in product panel that I like found her again. And it's been probably six, seven years that we've just on and off stayed in touch, um, which was really great. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I did a peer coaching circle in the fall and um, I really enjoyed it. I kind of discovered I loved this coaching space and started to dabble in it a bit more. And um, one of the women that was in my coaching circle lived a block away from me. And it was kind of like, we're all across the country. We got paired together randomly and you're a block away. And so to me, it was just like, oh, let's, let's go grab a coffee, you know? And I think it's, I, I think we're all a little scarred from the pandemic, you know, but it's about putting yourself out there and taking advantage of those connections when you can. I've had to really put myself in the attendee seat in a very interesting way. Um, I moved to an island. <laughs> I live in on a rock in the middle of the ocean. And so now the only way that I'm going to meet women who are, you know, in the events field or working in the product adjacent space is yeah. through saying yes and through yeah. showing up and being a human and not always having an agenda and yeah. sometimes just taking the call. Yeah. And I think, you know, so I get a lot of outreach from people in product, but you can tell when there's people who take five more minutes to think about what is the connective tissue here? What is something that is important for Jory to get across, you know, that'll really feel authentic. And it doesn't take that much time, but you'd be surprised how many people don't take that time. Um, and so, yeah, when you are reaching out to people, my advice would be like, find that thing, that commonality or that thing that really impressed you um, instead of just, hey, like, can you get me a job at Audible? You know, like I get a lot of that too. So, um, and I think most people know that at this point, but there's also just creative ways to do it. And I know the conference is coming up, you know, there's an attendee list that people are attending certain panels. Like there's this built-in commonality that we have now online and there's, there's like that, that easy door to walk into and be like, okay, like you're going to this thing. So am I, you know, and we, I think people don't always take advantage of it and it's sitting right in front of them. You know, I love ways that we can take an experience that happens in a certain container, like the conference, and then pull that into our ongoing networking practices. I love yeah. seeing when people post recaps of sessions that they were in um, yes. and then other, other folks will jump in and then I'm seeing follow-up discussion groups. And, it's, and, and it's, it's, it's up to you to really, you know, take run with it. I think it's so easy to kind of go to these online conferences because you feel like you have to and just kind of sit there as a fly on the wall. But there's so much fodder and so much for you to work with. And in a way that just going on LinkedIn and starting from scratch, like 
going to a conference, attending a certain session, seeing who's chatting about it, see who you connect with. Like there's so much to build on from that. And it's, it's your connection to lose, you know, if you don't go after those like really low hanging fruit opportunities. I could cry with uh, resonance right now. Um, one of my pet peeves is during the conference when folks are asking for the recorded sessions, it really breaks my heart because I'm oh, looking okay. up and I'm seeing that we have 2000 live women in this room to talk to you. Yeah, and so yeah. I really like for all of our listeners that are coming to the conference, I encourage you to take advantage of all of the live women in this container right now. Uh, totally. And just build on it. And I, I, I have someone I'm working with now and she's going to a conference and I was like, can you make a wish list of people that you're like excited to talk to and like go find them, you know, online in the same way you might go find a company or someone who responded to a conference and would be attending in person. Um, so there, there's a little bit of prep work, but I think it can go a long way and make sure that you're getting the most out of these sessions as well. Well, and I can tell you that the online events that I've attended from my phone in a crowded space are the ones where I have consumed content, but certainly not made any yeah. connections. Yeah. So when I when I show up and I am ready to jump camera on and I'm ready to jump into the discussion rooms and into the one on one mixers, then I make connections. Yeah. So I think also I hate like I hate saying that, like if folks are feeling like they have a, a hard time making online connections, it might be how they're showing up, but it might be how you're showing up. It's a little bit higher. It's a lot of you showing up. I think, listen, it's, we're, it's a new world now, you know, like, but it's also something we've been living with for a couple of years. And this is something that I try and encourage, like in my team meetings, screen on really focused and really kind of paying attention and here with you. It's so easy to multitask. It's so easy to turn the camera off. And, um, it's, it feels kind of obvious to me now, but I think a lot of people are still not fully adjusted to that. So um, when you see other people's screens on, other people chatting, like they're putting themselves out there and you can too. I love it. I really love it. Yeah. Thinking about holistically sort of how we look at the network that we're aiming to build and and what it means to build a thriving personal community and personal network, what would you consider? Um. Again, I'm going to come back to like an in-person, you know, online, offline element, um, encouraging people to take those online connections and go offline whenever you can. I think for me, a thriving network is if someone were to ask me who's like the best designer that you work with, I could have a handful of people that I've worked with or a handful of people that I've connected with online um, where it doesn't feel like I have no idea where to start. Um people that I can call on, people that I can offer support to in a really easy, um, authentic way where it's not, I did this for you, you did this for me, where there's a lightness to it. Um, and I think there's an always on approach to it, which is really hard to do when you're working full time and you got to do your job, but carving out space and time, whether it's buying a ticket to something. So like you just, you're accountable and you go or, signing up for a happy hour and you don't know anyone who's going to go there, but you're going to go and you're going to show up. Um, it's like a really nice way to kind of force feed the network and the networking element, which um, prior to the pandemic, I would do all, all the time. Just, just go see what happens. And I never regretted it. Like I never went to any of those events and set up calls where I was like, that was really terrible. Like there's always a new perspective and something to learn. So I'm, so, I'm one of those people that does things that scare me. And I'm generally 
pleasantly surprised. So pushing everyone to do that. (laughs) One of my favorite expressions is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. I always, I talk about this a lot, like in therapy, if I'm scared of something, oh, that means I got to go do it. You know, like there's no, if something makes me feel like, uh, run to it. Um, which is, is really hard to do, but once you do it over and over again, like it, it starts to get easier and then you're like, oh, it actually feels really good because there's a growth opportunity here. And I'll tell you like the, the high that you can get from putting yourself in uncomfortable or scary situation versus going to hang out with a bunch of people, you know, is so different and can be really addictive too. Not to say that those close friendships don't matter, but I think there's a lot of confidence building beyond just networking that you can get by putting yourselves in those situations. And sometimes it's bringing a friend along and sometimes it's not and seeing what happens because, and just kind of showing up in the right way where it's, I'm not going to go and sit in a corner, but I'm going to go and sit down and make small talk with the person next to me and see what they say, which again, feels kind of weird. We're not as good at it anymore. Like it's been a while, but you can do it. And it's just, it's a muscle you have to build. Your reminder to make the time really hits home for me. It's not something that I did pre-pandemic and it Mm -hmm. is now something that I regularly schedule. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that energizes me the most is really like making sure that my network also includes people that are not necessarily in the field, but that are solving similar puzzles in different fields. Yes. And that for me, that has been like really connecting to the association world and understanding how people are thinking about new member onboarding, because that really directly translates to attendee arrival experience. So I would encourage people too to think outside of the narrow field that you might be, you know, working in or potentially looking for jobs in and, and trying to build just a very robust set of people that are in your court. Yeah. I think like, you know, when you do your career visioning and you think about where you're going, whether it's straight up or you're maybe concerning a couple different paths, like setting up those calls and talking to someone and really knowing like, what is their day-to-day like? How That's probably really different than my day-to-day and really getting out of your world, getting out of your product world um, is really, really beneficial. So I would plus one that entirely. Well, we talked a little bit about the importance of contextualizing your outreach and uh, we're all infinitely stockable now. So I tend to try to, <laughs> I try to listen to something that the person has done or, you know, catch a, a podcast recording they've done, catch something totally. that they've spoken at, read a few blogs. Um, do you have any other tips for showing up really authentically? Um, like I said, camera on, I think really communicating and being really clear about what you want out of the um, interaction, which could be, you know, nothing as just like, a as high, you're someone interesting, but being really clear about that. Um, you know, we're all super busy. We all have a ton to do. So showing up on time, letting me know if you're late following up with like, you know, thanks for X, Y, Z. Um, you know, a lot of times when you're reaching out to people, you're kind of asking for something, whether it's a connection or a job. So really being, clear about, Hey, let me know how I can be helpful. Like here's my network and kind of offering something up on the platter at the end is also really great. Um, and yeah, I think just really clear focus. Um, and the other thing I recommend is like keeping your elevator pitch really tight. You know, like I think when doing all these networking calls and it's a muscle that you build, like, what are you doing? Why are you here? How can I be helpful? How can you be helpful? Um, rather than giving your 20 minute 
career story, you know? And I think I, it's not always easy to like have that pulled together, but it's really helpful when you're, you're trying to get the most out of an interaction. This feels especially timely. Uh, our conference will be coming up. Um, when people are listening to this, this will drop and they'll have about two weeks to be thinking about getting their conference game on. Yeah. And I always really encourage people to do things like practice that elevator pitch. Make sure that your LinkedIn is up to date yeah. because you will be live in the container with thousands of other women and all of the companies that support us. So I would encourage folks as they're thinking about preparing for the conference to get familiar with the conference platform as soon as it opens and to explore everything that is there. Cause we'll have small group networking rooms. We'll have one-on-one networking mixers. So I'm wondering as you think about attending conferences, do you have any pro tips aside from showing up as your authentic self? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like I'm one of those people that does all the prep work, (laughs) maybe too much of it, but like, think about like, what is your goal, you know, of getting, coming in there, coming into that space and what are you trying to get? And uh, for a lot of people that might be interviewing for a lot of people that might be just meeting like-minded people and really thinking about what would success look like? What are your KPIs coming out of this experience? If you met this, these people from this level at this company Um, so I feel like keeping a list of those goals and being really mindful of that and like looking for those opportunities prior to, um, something that I work with a lot of people on like their summary statement. And I, I always like equate that to their elevator pitch and I'll read it. And it's like, I'm a product manager. And I was like, oh, I can read that right below. Tell me what I can't see about you. And so I really just like encourage people to think about what is the thing I can't read on your resume that I can't stock on LinkedIn that I deeply need to know about you and why you're here. And so I just push everyone with that elevator pitch as they're thinking about who they want to talk to and what their goals are. What is the thing about you that I need to know um, in whatever capacity, why you're here at this conference. And being prepared to share that in those one-on-one video calls is super helpful. But I also, I would love for people to really be intentional about how they're thinking about using the event chat to meet people. Totally. So I would encourage people to say something insightful that might encourage someone else to want to reach out to you directly. I can't tell you how many people I meet because I show up and I add value in chat. Yeah. And I think there's a way to do that and be like, hey, I'd love to talk about this with someone who's in the Web3 space. Can you DM me if you're interested, like opening your own doors so people feel really comfortable to reach out to you um, in that space as you're adding value? I love it. I, um, (laughs) I, I could not be more excited for this upcoming conference. I'm so excited to continue this conversation and others. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm really, I'm really energized by all of this. If you can't tell. (laughs) You leave me really thinking about goals, and I hope that our listeners are also really thinking about their goals and how they might formulate conference-specific goals as they come Mm -hmm. into this container with all these amazing women that are waiting to meet them as well. Our conference is on May 9th and 10th, and Mm -hmm. I would love for everyone to be thinking about their elevator pitch beforehand and working with a coach, a coach like Jory or your other coach, and just showing up to really specifically target what you want to get out of the event. Yeah. And keep it simple. Don't be, don't make them too crazy. Don't make those OKRs too nuts, but make it, make it achievable. You know, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jory. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. 
And thanks also to our partners, Discover, Google, Meta, and Upwork, who provide annual support for the work of Women in Product and our community. This podcast is an original production of Women in Product. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a review so that others can discover us or share this episode with people you know. If you have any questions or suggestions for future guests or topics, you can reach us at podcast at womenpm.org.